Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth. I'm Alan Weiss, and I have another Alan with me today, Alan Goldberger, uh, who has a fascinating job. Alan, why don't you take uh, 60 seconds to introduce yourself and what you do? I'm Alan, I'm a practicing attorney here in, in sunny Morris County, New Jersey. My practice consists of representing sports organizations and primarily athletic game officials, referees and umpires. I've been doing this for quite a long time. And as you can imagine, in the athletic industry, we have our share of legal disputes, uh, particularly regarding referees and umpires and other game officials. Well, I think it's a fabulous combination. We're talking umpires and referees and legality. I love this. Uh, Do you represent people in the professional ranks or is it mainly collegiate or amateur or what? It's primarily collegiate and officials who are not employed by professional sports associations, although I've represented some of those folks as well. I have a friend in Canada who was a hockey uh, referee and uh, I think at the amateur or team level, I guess. And he said by the end of a hockey game, everyone hated him. Didn't matter. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much another day at the office for us. We're, we're accustomed to it. So what kind of legal uh, representation or legal concerns would you characterize as the most common among these uh, officials in, in sports? Well, basically, Alan, the legal concerns that, uh, that officials have on the non-professional level are bound up with uh, trying to call the game, get the game over with, making sure that it's safe, fair, and fun, and avoiding liability. And the way we do that is by concentrating on risk management to avoid injuries, to avoid situations where we may have to put somebody out of the game, and obviously to avoid a a personal injury type of situation. Uh, The truth of the matter is, despite the fact that uh, that there is a sense of entitlement. Now it's impossible to prevent all injuries and therefore all lawsuits that arise out of a a sporting event. The nature of physical activity is such that injuries in in one sense are part of the game. So I've noticed, Alan, that, uh, well, I haven't noticed, I mean, it's just a fact that if you take a look at a baseball game, there are four officials on the field, uh, sometimes six in a playoff game, but there are four umpires. And there were usually 10 people on the field, nine defensive players and a batsman. Uh, there might be as many as oh, uh, 12 or 13 on the field if the bases are loaded. But the ratio is about um, three to one in terms of officials to players. In terms of football, of course, you have seven officials with 22 players. So again, the ratio is three to one. You look at soccer, though, you've got, I think, 22 people on the field and one official. So uh, it's a much different ratio. So tell me something. Uh, is it the amount of officials that tend to reduce risk of bad decisions, or is it their training, or is it their focus? What would you say it is? Well, I'd say it's a combination of things. Primarily, it's the training and the focus, and for a particular league or competition, it's making sure that you have an adequate number of officials for the game involved. Uh, NFL, as you said, uh, there are seven officials, college level, and in many areas of high school football, you have six officials covering a game. Uh, Baseball on an amateur level, you'll often have two umpires and not the four that you see in the, in major leagues. True. Yeah. 
And soccer is basically a world unto itself, but uh, oftentimes there are going to be two or three officials in soccer as well. Basically, uh, the number of officials has to be adequate to cover the play. What the play constitutes changes from, from era to era. The football game now, for example, you mentioned football. Years ago when I started out, I'm not going to tell you how many years, but when I did start out back in the 70s, we had four men on a high school football game, and that was more or less adequate. Did you have a leather helmet back then, too? No, no, it wasn't quite that long ago. It feels like it, but not quite that long ago. But in truth, over the years, uh, mostly due to the influence of the professional game, football has evolved to the point where high schools are using, bless you, spread offenses, throwing the ball all over the field. And that requires, in, in turn, more coverage by officials. So over the years, we went from four officials to five officials and now to six officials. Football field, 50, over 50 yards wide, which a lot of people don't realize, and, and 120 yards long, it's a lot of territory to cover. Well, so, that's my point about soccer. you got one guy covering approximately that same size field, if not a little larger. Uh, uh, in terms of liability, which you mentioned earlier, uh, is the major concern that uh, failure to act quickly enough could result in a player being injured? Uh, is the concern about not breaking up potential violence? Uh, and tell me a little bit, I mean, do, do these officials carry what we would call a malpractice insurance? Most officials, Alan, do carry what we would call malpractice insurance, being a, a general liability policy that would insure against claims of that nature. Uh, and there are concerns regarding fighting and violence in sports, and there are concerns regarding other injuries that happen as a result of rough play, in some cases as a result of a venue that is not in tip-top shape or where there may be hazards, sometimes as a result of the wrong equipment or bad equipment or not wearing required equipment or wearing items that uh, of apparel or jewelry that create a danger. So we have all kinds of things. And in today's climate, we also have religious headwear that we need to deal with. We have to make sure, uh, although we accommodate religious headwear, we have to make sure that the device or the headwear or the clothing or the apparatus doesn't create a danger to athletes. There are okay. medical devices. There Let, me are you, Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question about that. Uh, I read about two years ago that a man was actually arrested. Uh, his son played high school football. He was a running back. And he had sharpened with a file the various nuts and bolts on the helmet uh, and uh, uh, apparently on the, on the, um, the uh, pants or the, the cleats or something so that when he was tackled, it was painful. Uh, and he was arrested <laughs> for this. Uh, I would imagine that there is a certain amount of overzealousness among parents uh, looking perhaps for athletic scholarships or who knows what, uh, that right. officials really might not even be able to tell at a distance. What, have you had experience with this kind of thing? Uh, not with what you mentioned. I haven't heard of that particular incident, but uh, we, we are aware of the fact that uh, many moms and dads see athletics as a, a as a route to scholarships and maybe a professional career, which in, in truth only happens every so often, as you know. But um, to every mom and dad, uh, her son or daughter is a potential Division I athlete, and culture is such that there's a certain entitlement, and, and uh, coaches also experience some 
uh, critiques of, of their coaching, uh, maybe not as much as officials, but you know, we get it and we understand that uh, athletes uh, always want to emulate what they see on the field. Uh, they all feel that maybe they should be on television and they should be in a, in a more uh, elite level of competition, and, and that's driven in part by parents. I, it seems to me that every game, and maybe somebody can name me an exception like curling, but every game has gotten faster. Uh, the athletes at all right. levels are in better shape because training and medicine has advanced quite a bit. Right. Uh, the speed has increased. And so the pressure on the umpires and referees and other officials would seem to me at least to be greater than ever because they have to be split second. To some degree, it's accommodated by instant replay, which is more and more intrusive these days and at the professional levels. But at amateur levels, of course, you don't have instant replay. Uh, so do you find that uh, the stress has increased among these people because of the speed with which they have to make these judgments today? Well, it's interesting you should say that. I think the stress has increased maybe not so much because of the speed of the athletes, but because of the visibility that we have. In today's climate, everyone has a cell phone that has a video camera, that has a still camera. Everything is recorded someplace or other, and even a, a facial expression or uh, a, somebody notes something in the body language of a referee, it, they could find themselves on YouTube someplace and all over the internet. So we, we are in, a, in an electronic fishbowl, as is everybody in public life today, and I think that has somewhat increased pressure. And of course, instant replay, as you mentioned, on a professional level and on a Division I level, is now ubiquitous, so we don't have it generally on the high school, and then God knows we don't have it on the youth level. We haven't gotten to that point. So One of the things about instant replay at that level is that it generally shows that most judgment calls are correct. Right. Uh, umpires, referees, I mean, you see the occasional reversal, but overwhelmingly the judgment kind of calls are correct. Uh, and uh, at the level we're talking about, though, these are not full-time officials. They are insurance agents or they're car salespeople or whatever it happens to be, and they're doing this part-time. Right. Uh, in your experience, uh, do they undertake the kind of training they need, not just in the, the skills department to see the transgressions, you know, to, to maintain the integrity, right. but also to stay in the right conditioning to do this? Uh, it seems that's an obligation of the individual. And uh, have you observed people adhering to that, or is some of the problem caused because people just treat this as a part-time job? No, I think not at all. I think you find in, in talking to the high school coaches and athletic directors and other knowledgeable people in sports, I think that they would universally tell you that officials, uh, even though they're part-time, are among the most dedicated people in sports because this is what we bring. We do it because we like to do it. And we understand full well that we are basically a bunch of middle-aged people chasing a bunch of 17-year-olds up and down a field or up and down a court. And of course they're faster and uh, coaching is at a, like everything else, every other industry is at a more advanced and sophisticated level, which is why you see coaches figure out ways to beat us and they impart those to their athletes and then there are rules changes. So it's a constant evolution that we keep up with the play, keep up with the rules and also manage the risk at the same time. How intimidating is it 
for an official, as we're talking about, either to be in the home field, home court, hometown of one of the teams where it's, I mean, even at the professional ranks, you can see the kind of influence this sometimes has. Mm -hmm. And right. how much is it, uh, how, how intimidating is it when you have some of these more um, uh, animated coaches uh, who tend to get quite verbal? Uh, how do you protect yourself from that? Or at, at a certain point, do you simply say, I just don't want to hear it, I'm giving in? Well, I think, I think for officials, uh, one of the first things we train officials is that they need to tune out, obviously, spectator comments, tune out the home crowd, that's not a factor, and they need to concentrate. With regard to coaches, uh, every youth athlete, every high school, college athlete, and youth athlete has a, a, at least a instance or two where he or she has had to apologize for his or her coach or his or her parent. She'll <laughs> have stories about that. Kids are never a problem, relatively speaking. It's the adults that we have to be concerned with. And what we teach referees and umpires is when we do not penalize according to the rules a coach or even a student athlete who is playing to the crowd or who engages in some unsporting conduct like they see on television all the time, then what we are doing is effectively penalizing the coach who sits on the bench, who follows the rules, who observes sportsmanship, and who understands that the place to contest an official's call or complain about an official's work is not in front of several hundred or several thousand people. That's a heck of a good point. In other words, you're enabling the bad behavior. I can see that. Uh, and so it's in the official self-interest to make sure that that doesn't happen. Now, tell me this, Alan. Uh, there's a, quite a controversy now in football about concussions and injuries, where this conversation first began. Right. And I've read that the Pop Warner League, which is an organized football league uh, for the youngest people, uh, is having trouble now recruiting. Uh, I'm also um, wondering that I hear that Little League Baseball has also fallen off to some degree. Uh, and while some people have said that it's because of the competition from soccer, others have said it's because uh, that kids are doing video games and technology and they're not engaged in the kind of sports that they used to. What's your observation about all this? Do you think it's true? Do you think it's a natural occurrence of the times or what? Oh, I think it, it's pretty much a sign of the times and these things do tend to be cyclical. Uh, clearly the concussion uh, situation is one that is a work in progress. Uh, student athletes and their parents uh, need to understand that basically there's an epidemic going on uh, and there are a lot of people uh, involved in sports who think that that particular epidemic can be solved by handing out pamphlets to a bunch of parents, which <laughs> those of us who are on the field and who work in the sports industry are aware is not the answer. The answer is quite simply, uh, not to try to do the doctor's job for them, but to get a student athlete who exhibits a behavior that's consistent with concussion or a symptom, to get that student athlete off the field and not to permit the student athlete to come back on the field or on the court unless and until there's been a medical evaluation. So that's the key to that. As far as, as attendance and participation uh, in a downward spiral, um, we've seen anecdotal evidence that in certainly in football, that, that is, there's some evidence of that. But once again, there are still plenty of people, there are millions of athletes who play youth and high school football. They have to be accommodated. 
colleges as well. So we're developing now, particularly the last seven years, protocols and mechanics to try to make sure that a student athlete who might be symptomatic does not stay in the game because that's where the problems come out. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, these judgment calls and errors because we're all human, we all make errors. Uh, what is your advice or counsel or uh, do you work with these officials when they've recognized they made a call that was wrong and the game has continued, there's no instant replay, there's no appeal, uh, but they realize in retrospect that they made a mistake. What, what kind of counsel do you provide for that? Well, as you said, we all make mistakes. And, and my theory is that uh, if officials made as, uh, if, if we in our jobs, you know, made as many mistakes as officials, we'd be doing very well. <laughs> uh, public view that we're under all the time. No official has to be told that he or she has made a bad call. We know it when it happens. In fact, sometimes we make them and nobody else knows it and what they argue about is something where they're not going to get any place anyway. So that has become somewhat of a standing joke amongst officials, but nobody suffers more than an official who has made an incorrect call. Um, this will happen in games. Uh, lots of times people don't recognize what's correct and what's incorrect. Because every rule book is at least 90 or 100 pages. It's not as simple as it might appear, and certainly not as simple as the commentators would have you think. So fine, you know, the kids, as I said before, are great with it. They can understand and appreciate that we're doing our best. In truth, we need to go on. If we miss one, then the world won't come to an end. It's a game, and in most cases, it's a child's game. So life goes on, and we need to deal with it. And I think that's why uh, the referees or the officials, let's say, in golf are behind the scenes, because that rule book is bigger than, uh, you know, Webster's uh, fourth <laughs> bridge. Uh, well, of course, there's no defense in golf. Uh, well, but golf. that's right. But you're supposed to be your own, uh, uh, right. your own arbiter. In other words, you're supposed to turn yourself right. in, right? Plus, you have all these TV viewers now who rat on you, so it's the same. Right, right, uh, right. Have, uh, just a couple of more questions, Alan. Do you notice in your practice, uh, which you've been you know, engaged in for some time, uh, are there trends uh, that you would point out today that uh, are greater than uh, perhaps they were at uh, some time in the past? Well, I, I, think that, I think that we always face, we always face the coach or the administrator or the parent who will not take responsibility for their own actions. We have numerous incidents of not only assaults, but I'm sorry to say homicides over the last few years of officials while officiating. And many of the people who have assaulted officials during or after games, primarily adults, will say that if they have the opportunity, they do it again. Jeez. No element of contrition or anything in that regard. So to many, Unfortunately, the remedy for what they perceive as an officiating mistake is to assault the official. This obviously is unacceptable to us. Proof of the matter is that despite the pontification you might hear at sportsmanship assemblies and, uh, and coming out of the mouths of some administrators, the, in actual practice, the people who keep sports safe are the referees more than everybody else combined in the sports industry. So that's a, a heavy burden for us, but we understand that that's part of the job. So the trend is to entitlement. The trend is that sportsmanship may be something that the other guy should practice. Uh, 
But, you know, that's something that we have to deal with, and it's never going to be any different, I don't think. So, Alan, if you had a magic uh, wand here, if the genie came out of the bottle uh, and you had your wish fulfilled, uh, what sport, uh, what event would you yourself personally most likely, most, uh, most favored to be the, the official or the referee or the umpire? Uh, well, I would say, I would say uh, basketball probably is, uh, from the official's point of view, uh, you know, has a lot of appeal because there's a billion things that happen. And every time up and down the court, if you don't blow the whistle, that's a call. If you blow the whistle, that's a call. People figure we miss half of them anyway, as opposed to being a baseball umpire, which I was. Uh, and if you're on the bases with the two umpire system, as we have in amateur sports, if you really blow one call, you may only have eight in the game. Basically, you're a bum. And it's all out in the open and everybody can see it from the official's point of view. In the other sports, people don't really know, for example, whether a touchdown is scored or not on a goal line plunge. They all have their opinion, but that's based on which team their son is playing for. So, you know, baseball, football, basketball, which are the three sports I was involved with, they all have their different characteristics. But the truth of the matter is, is that in a game, in any game, things don't happen at a replay speed or at a stop action freeze frame speed, or they don't really happen uh, in terms of the official at an angle that a camera may have someplace up in the bleachers or on some other sideline or from a drone. So we have to make the call based on what we see, based on a convention, based on our angle. And that happens to be what it is. Somebody has to do it and they haven't yet invented a machine, except maybe for the Hawkeye in tennis, that can deal with safe route, ball or strike, pass interference or not, illegal block or not, or a foul uh, committed by some seven foot two guy, you know, 12 feet in the air when nobody can maybe see a little push and at just enough to throw the shooter off. Well, um, even, um, even, in tennis, even in tennis, the umpire right. can overrule the machine. Well, there you go. There you go. And the, uh, the other thing that people don't understand is that Two fellas or two gals can be in equal position in most sports, basketball, football, lacrosse, uh, each going for the ball that they get to keep if they can possess it, and they can knock each other unconscious, and that would not be a rules violation. So there are rules and there are rules, and you know, more education would help, but unfortunately the rule book is not actually a bestseller except among officials. Well, Alan, that was fascinating. I want to thank you very much for being with me today on The Uncomfortable. Thank you, Alan. Good to see you. Good luck to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.